I'm happy to report that at least three people have asked me this morning, have you plugged the cable back in so you can have music at the start of your show? And, well, obviously the answer is yes. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is Friday, October 21st. Where has the year gone? And uh, it's Roadmap Roundup Friday. So let's pray, and then we'll just dive in to a Roadmap Roundup this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are back in the studio this week, uh, although, Dan, it was a, a nice little adventure down to Kimswick yep. last week. Uh, if you didn't tune in last week, we were doing a trial run of a live broadcast, remote broadcast on location. One very important lesson we learned Always make sure you have the power adapter in the the travel case for your broadcast equipment. Luckily, it has battery backup, and we tested the limits. Yes, we did. We had range anxiety, is what it's called. (laughs) Trying to find out, you know... uh, what, what were we talking about last week? Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, yep. and that was certainly uncomfortable. But you're looking at the battery draining, going, "Okay, I hope we make it through this show." Corey Grizzles all the way in from St. Charles this morning. <laughs> one cup morning. of coffee down, one that's more right. getting ready to go. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm awake and I'm here. Yeah, well, that's that's a good place to be. All right, I have a question before we get into the formal roadmap roundup. You know, we talk about uh, cars from time to time and Catholic families. Uh, we've got the minivan. Um, a lot of families have the minivan or the transit van. I think the James Webb telescope found an image of a black hole in our minivan because it just seems to keep sucking all of my kids' stuff <laughs> into the van, and it never leaves the van. There's coats. There's jackets. There's soccer stuff. There's school stuff. I think there's a lunchbox from four days ago in there, and I don't understand. How do vans do this? This is, <laughs> you know, so if you are a an astrophysicist out there, we need you to call in and explain black holes and minivans <laughs> this morning. Mystery, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the extra room in our house, actually. So when we can't find anything they don't even ask anymore they just go to the van yeah <laughs> they yeah. pop up with it and i said where'd that come from it was in the van i said did you get the rest of the stuff out of the van no no just, yeah. just my water bottle i mean yeah. don't we do that with sometimes we hold on to too much i i know people and, and self included at one point in time it's you know, we need this many bedrooms. You don't have that many people. Yeah, but we need that one room that you can just put everything in. When it's like, we got to clean the house right now and throw all the stuff in there. Um, it, it's about the habits we build, and that's not necessarily a good one. Um, we've been talking about breaking vices this week with Doug Barry. We're going to do that later on on the show. We are also going to talk about families. You know, how can we reinforce our families, reinforce our marriages, renew our marriages, and then in these times that are just. Um, so perplexing. You know, when you it's six in the morning and you walk out to the minivan and it's just filled with stuff and you can't even put your seat back and you just want to scream, but it's six in the morning and you don't want your neighbors to call the police either. Um, St. Paul says, in all circumstances, give thanks. Well, what about those circumstances? How do we give thanks? That's what's ahead on the Roadmap Roundup today. But before we can dive into any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Hilarion, 
Born in Palestine late in the third century, the story of his life was recorded by St. Jerome. Hilarion received his education in Alexandria, where he studied rhetoric and in his early teens converted to Christianity. He loved spending time in church and spent as much of it as he could there in prayer and contemplation. But by the time he was 15, Hilarion had made the decision to follow the example of St. Anthony, making his way into the desert where he lived with Anthony for two months. But St. Anthony was constantly attracting visitors, seeking his wisdom, prayer, and guidance. And this was not what Hilarion was looking for. So he left and went to an area near Gaza, but did not stay there very long, partly because there were so many thieves in the area. He struggled mightily with temptation and spiritual dryness, but overcame these through great prayer. Eventually, he started getting visitors and followers of his own. So Hilarion finally found a place to settle near Cyprus, where he had a series of small huts built to accommodate everyone. He remained focused on prayer and contemplation, but shared his wisdom and direction with any who sought his advice. Hilarion was also the source of many miracles. He died at the age of 80 in 371. St. Hilarion, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. I remember when we first started expanding our family. You know, first it was marriage, and then it was children. And when Beth was pregnant with James, and we knew we were having a boy, we were going back and forth on names. And I was really pushing for Seamus, and good Irish name. And she's like, I don't know about Seamus. So then I would take saints like St. Hilarion, <laughs> and then uh, there were a couple more um, <laughs> That I'd just be like, well, how about this? This is a saint's name. And she's like, no, we're, we're not naming our son Hilarion. I'm like, Cosmos? No, we're not naming our son Cosmos. Seamus? Maybe. Maybe. Um, but that was the beginning of the growth of our family and saying, all right, baptism of number one. We are now responsible for doing everything we can to instill this child with the faith, to equip him with what he needs to grow in the faith so that one day... When it's on his shoulders, he's going to be ready to go out and face that world and not abandon his faith. And, Corey, you have kids that are they are in that part of life right now, that they are out in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, we all have our own things we do. But what have you found to be some of those important things for reinforcing the faith of your children so that they're ready to head out there? So um, just so many little things. I think we all look at the big things and and say, oh, let's get them into this program or this organization or this school and we'll all be set. And really when it comes down to it, when they come home and they look at mom and dad and they say, what is most important in your life? And if our decisions are based on what is right and what is moral and what it follows the church teaching and that we make those decisions based on what does God think is good and right and true, That, I think, definitely is the most important. And when we are talking with our children about their decisions, what is what is the trajectory for your life that you want to have? So is it that you want to make all the money in the world? Is it that you just want to have a family but also want to be educated? Is it that um, formally educated? (laughs) Is it that 
um, you know, we just we, we're just going to try and, and figure it out on the way. So, um, you know, we always have those kind of conversations. But then also what is what is in our sight? So when we come home when my children come home from wherever they are out in the world and they come back, what do they see in our homes? So, you know, I was talking to my husband last night. We said, there's a lot of people that say there's there's a crucifix in every room. And I went, wow, we should have a crucifix in every room. We probably have a ton of crucifixes. I'm just not sure there's actually one in every room. We haven't gone around there and made sure. But we have statues. We have pictures. We have saints everywhere. Like if there's a if there's a hook or a place on our wall, there's there's something that someone has given us or that we found um, inspiring that is up. We have a picture of a broken down church. It is an abandoned church with a cross right in the middle that my husband and I found at the art festival in Main Street. And it's not even a Catholic church, but it kind of looks like the sanctuary. And um, because I researched, I'm like, it looks like a Catholic church, but it's not. But it reminds us every day that we are broken people. And where do we go to look? We go to look at that cross, no matter how broken the world is, no matter how broken everything is. Um, And so I think that having those things all over to be able to rest our eyes on and go, okay, this is what we want in life. Cora, I think you nailed it. I mean, with with the little things, right? These are all small traditions, things that your kids can go back to. Mm -hmm. And you never know when one glance at that picture you just described is going to be that moment for one of your kids that, you know, puts them on a a path that you want them to be on. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love that. You know, I would, I always encourage those kinds of traditions, right? You know, um, we always got a new statue at every sacrament, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, the trip to Catholic supply to to get it was Mm -hmm. a big deal. Um, I, I absolutely love that. I was reading this quote from Fulton Sheen the other day. I've been working on this slideshow uh, for a presentation in January, and I love this quote. And, Corey, this is, you, you brought me here this morning. You brought me back to Fulton Sheen. If you don't behave as you believe, you will end by believing as you behave. I'm going to say that again. Mm-hmm. If you don't behave as you believe, you will end by believing as you behave. And, you know, I'm living right now what you just said. I mean, the other week, um, it was last week, actually, I, I played a gig with my band, and it was one of those ones that was Saturday night into Sunday morning. I don't think I got home until 1.30 or 2 in the morning. The kids spent the night at my in-law's house, and I told them, I'm picking you up early in the morning. And they're like, well, why do we have to, are we going to mass? And I'm like, yes, we're going, but aren't you going to be tired? He said, yes, I'm going to be tired, <laughs> but we're going, why can't we go later? Because we're going first thing. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Sunday morning, they're like, dad, you, you didn't get here in time for us to go to eight o'clock mass. And I said, you're right. I accidentally slept through my alarm. We're going to 930. We're going to 930. And we did. But they don't question it now. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. they know it's ingrained. And you're sharing the gold with us, Corey. Right. Sharing yeah. the gold. Agreed. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. And uh, we'll be back with more Roadmap Roundup after this. A most commendable indulgence prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church on the Supreme Pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, 
and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. We are back. We're talking about family today on the Roadmap Roundup. And Dan Vonderhaar, as Corey was just telling us before the break, one of the important things is just making sure that your kids see what's important. You know, that what, and, and they're going to see it either way. We can't just say, kids, this is important. They're going to see how we live our life and, and what's important. And one of the things that I have been reminded of by several trusted, my board of directors, as, as Dan Vonderhaar would go. say, um, is to never stop romancing my wife. Never stop dating her. Make her the number one priority. And that doesn't mean the kids are number two. Well, it does. But it doesn't mean I love the kids any less. It, it means that I love things in the proper order. My wife first, then them. And I love them better if I love her first. But, you know, that's kind of hard to do some days. Because after 13 years, it's like, well, what do we do to keep things Fresh. And I don't know that fresh is necessarily the goal as so much as it is just to stay connected. So what are some of the things you found in life? How do we renew our marriages daily? Because it's not just date night. It's it's sacrifice every day, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the old 60-40 rule. Everyone talks about 50-50. <laughs> Marriage is never no. 50-50. Marriage is always 60-40. And you got to be willing to be on the 40% receiving end and the 60% giving end 100% of the time. And the math on that really works out because then you get 120%. You can (laughs) reinvest the 20%, retire early. Um, I think that being intentional, um, which is kind of, I feel like, where you were going with that, Adam. Being intentional is so important. I think there was a phase for Amy and I when things just got so busy with select sports and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the very big importance of academics and all that it really did take our focus off of our marriage and uh and the stress in our life increased it did decrease so um you know we realized that we needed to get back to that which is so you know don't beat yourself up if you feel like you may have gotten off track just get back on the mm-hmm. tracks and and be intentional uh about it yeah and i i have learned the hard way don't expect recognition for it you know didn't you see i ordered you flowers well we never have flowers in our house you think i really miss you think the kids called up the florist yeah. they, they didn't do that i of course i knew you got me flowers stop doing things to get a reaction just do them because you love me amen is, is the message i need amen. to hear all the time absolutely yeah the be intentional is, is totally um 100 on on board with everything you know we we know that um you know, marriage is work and marriage is suffering and marriage is, um, but it's, it's also, of course, it, why would we get into it in the first place if it wasn't wonderful and beautiful? And, um, but, you know, to be intentional about those things. And, you know, when we had little kids, we still have little kids, but when we had really little kids, they're all babies. And my attention was needed, you know, all the time. Um, what has changed? So, <laughs> you know, and then we get <clears throat> finally to the end of the day and, and I look at my husband and I go, and now, and now I have to pay attention to you too. And, you know, and we, we, worked, we worked through those things. I mean, that's just how I was feeling, of course, in that day, in that season, in that lifetime. And when you work through those things, you, 
you get even better and closer and it is more joyful on the other end. So I have some friends. I'm going to steal some lines from because <laughs> it's, it's good to be a thief, right? Yeah, you yeah. take what other people are teaching, like what Corey's giving teach us. someone else. And um, I have a, a buddy who has these code words uh, in their marriage. You know, one of them is, this is important to me. Yeah. And so when the other spouse hears those words, mm-hmm. it's sort of a snap to attention. Like, right. okay, I, I may not have been fully listening. I may not have been you know, fully paying attention here. And I just heard those code words. I have another friend, their couple, their code words are, you sanctify me. <laughs> Which means I know exactly what that means. I, I am at the end of my rope on this conversation. Please stop. We should probably not continue it. There might be worse words on but the end. But marriage is sacrifice and suffering, and I'm just reminding you that we're sanctifying each other right now. And I just love that comment. You sanctify me uh, with a little levity, of course. Right. So I think it, you know the communication piece never ever ends. You got to constantly be working on better and better communication. Right. And you know, one of those things that that the regular advice is just to give a date night. Make sure you have a date night on the calendar, whether it's once a month or once a week or however you do that, get a date night on the calendar. Well, with all of the things going on with my teenagers and my little kids and my older kids and trying to get all of those things together and anything that's on our calendars, because now we're like, we want to do other stuff than with our kids. We get stuff on our calendars. Well, we found that nights are no good. So we do Saturday mornings. First thing in the morning, the Brilliant. kids can take care of each other. They can watch TV. I don't care. They can make breakfast and do all that stuff. So we go to breakfast every Saturday morning. And, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be breakfast. It can be walking along um, a trail somewhere. It can be, you know, just sitting and having coffee out in the back porch if you can't get away. But, you know, my kids were at the age where they could at least babysit themselves breakfast and watch a little TV and get home, you know, and get us, get our day started. I had some friends recently, uh, they went camping. They have they have a pull-behind tr- uh, camper trailer. I don't know what it's called. I, pop-up. I, uh, no, it's not a pop-up. It's, it's, not a pop-up. It's, it's a hard shell thing, um, but it's not like the kind you drive. You, you hook it up. That's, that's not important. What's important was, <laughs> you know, they go camping a lot to the state parks, and one night they decided, look, we're just going to do that. They brought a, a DVD put all the kids in the, the trailer. They had the windows open so they could hear the shenanigans and malarkey and all of that. Um, but they said, you have to stay in there and watch the movie. You've got everything mm-hmm. you need. You've got you've got bathroom facility. You've got food. You've got chairs, places to lay down. You've got a movie. Mom and Dad, we are sitting out here by the campfire. We are having dinner together. And unless the camper is on fire, right. do not come out here to get us. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I love it. That's what you have to do. Beth and I like to do, uh, she works four days or three days a week, but she works 14-hour days. And so on her days off, sometimes she'll just bring me lunch up here at the studio and we'll just eat lunch together. And mm-hmm. sometimes that is date day. All you need is to be able to finish a sentence sometimes. Be nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully that sentence is not you sanctify me. Right. <laughs> right. But sometimes it is. Sometimes. Hey, let's take a break. Speaking of getting out of the bad habits, you know, the things we do that infuriate one another. We've been talking with Doug Barry all week um, about breaking free advice. So we're going to take a break. we got a song for you. And then after the song, Doug Barry is going to be with us. And Doug and I will wrap up our week together about breaking vices. So let's uh, go to the break now. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. 
it mirrors your pure intellect, I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We've been talking all week with Doug Berry about how we can break out of vice. A key theme in all of this has been humility. Humility to recognize the problem. Humility to trust when we might not see the problem. Humility to seek the help of our Blessed Mother. And maybe even going to extremes. And Doug, last week you talked about how we are at our best when we are at our worst. And you used a football analogy. And I didn't want to correct you then, but here in St. Louis, this is St. Louis Cardinals country. This is baseball town. And it made me think, uh, as, as we're talking about accountability today, as we break out of ISIS, of the great shortstop Ozzie Smith and the manager Whitey Herzog. And Ozzie Smith was going through this period where he was hitting the ball in the air, and every time he would, it would get caught and he would be out. But the Cardinals were playing on AstroTurf, and if he could hit that ground ball through the infield, Whitey Herzog knew he could leg it out. He could run to first base faster than they could feel that ball on the AstroTurf. So he said, here's the deal, Ozzie. Every time you hit the ball in the air, you give me a dollar. Every time you hit the ball on the ground, I give you a dollar. And sure enough, Ozzie Smith went on hitting those ground balls left and right and getting those base hits. Accountability can be a very powerful tool for us. You know, every good athlete has a mentor or coach of some sort who held them accountable. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would look at a world-class athlete and think that they got there entirely on their own. There had to be people along the way. You can have the most talented person out there, but if someone doesn't come along and say, your practice schedule needs to be this, that, the other thing, your skill is good. However, you need to twist your wrist a little bit more this way. You need to, to drop your shoulder a little this way when you throw the ball, when you swing, whatever. Anybody understands that that's a great athlete. I wonder who coached them along the way. I wonder who held them accountable along the way with their training. Because very few people are such self-motivators that they can accomplish these things without somebody reminding them that they need to accomplish these things. So in humility, when it comes to vice, for us to turn to somebody and say, I'm never going to accomplish getting out of this swamp mud pit that I'm in, this choke point that I'm in, unless somebody helps me, guides me. I have a, a priest friend who will say sometimes, hey, Doug, I'm looking at something about this subject or that, but I know I have blind spots. Help me if you think I'm not seeing this clearly. Now, I've always appreciated that because in his humility, he's saying, hey, I count on help from someone else. And I, I respect this priest enormously. I think he, he, he's, he's got so many pieces going for him. But for him to say, I know I have blind spots. I need accountability to help me see those blind spots. I think that's key. When it comes to vice, you need someone to help you. We all do to some degree anyway. Then find someone you can count on. It could be a brother, a sister, a parent, a friend, and you put a filter on your phone or on your computer and you give them the code. They're the only one that knows the code. You can't go in and restructure the filter so you can get through it. Do something like that. Go to them. Yeah, but what if I have to admit then that I have a problem? Well, hello, who doesn't? Who doesn't have a problem of some sort? Now, some are more embarrassing than others, I'm sure. But as you mentioned, Adam, with the AA, that is one of the greatest examples of the accountability partner as you call somebody. My father, as I mentioned earlier in the week, would not, number one, acknowledge that he had a problem. Therefore, he never took the steps to try to get out of that problem. 
but there were people out there ready to be his accountability partner. Any of us in the family would have. Someone who was at the intervention meeting that we, that we put on for my dad, he was there ready to be the accountability partner. There are people who are ready to help you and me get out of this vice that we're in, whatever it is that we're struggling with. In humility, go to them. Go to them and ask for that help. Set up the system so that there has to be some sort of checking in sort of thing so that you have to clock in, clock out, and acknowledge that you've accomplished A, B, C, or D. When it comes to fitness, people do this. They have challenges on their watches, you know, and I know, I know people who, um, how many steps they get in a day and they're competing with their buddy, you know, halfway across the country and it makes them exercise when it comes to vice, same concept, but everybody out there listening right now, you're driving down the road, you're listening to this talk and you're thinking, yeah, I got some vices. Yeah. I don't know if I can turn to You can find somebody you can count on, turn to them and say, Hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Would you help me be accountable? One of my favorite TV shows had this scene where a person was struggling with something and they thought they were going to lose their job over it. And the boss was there and said, you know, they said, am I fired? And the boss said, no, let me tell you a little story. There's a guy that falls into a pit and he sees a, a doctor coming by. He says, doctor, I fell into this pit. Can you help me out? And the doctor writes a prescription, throws it down into the pit and then uh, walks away. And then a lawyer walks by and says, hey, can you help me? I'm stuck down in this pit. And the lawyer writes a brief and throws it down into the pit and uh, walks away. Then he sees his friend and says, hey, friend, I I'm stuck in this pit. I can't get out. And the friend jumps down and he says, you fool, what are you doing? Now we're both stuck down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. And I think sometimes we overlook how often we could find that friend or that accountability partner that's going to help us with this. But again, we have to have that humility to ask. So, Doug, this has been a great week talking about this. I always look forward to our conversations, and I just want to thank you uh, for spending this time with us talking about how we break out of ice. Yeah, Adam, I'll just say one quick last thing, if I could. Those of you listening right now, you are not alone, and you are not the first one who's been in this mess. doesn't matter what you're going through. There are people going through it just like you everywhere. God sees this, our lady sees this, and there are good people out there, as you just mentioned, Adam, who are willing to jump in that pit and help you get out. You're not alone in this. Sometimes that loneliness that we feel paralyzes us, and we think we can't move forward to get out of whatever vice we're in. You are not alone. There are so many out there from heaven to people on earth and ordinary means who want to help you get out of this. You can do this. You can do this. All right. Well, Doug Berry, until next time, stay holy, my friend. You too, Adam. God bless you, brother. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. Oh, my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. If we're going to quiz someone, we're going to cataclysm. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's get to the question before we get in trouble here. Uh, total repudiation of the Christian faith is called what? And if you need a multiple choice, I'll give you one, but I want to mm. see if you can do it without it. Well... Apostasy would be the first word that comes to mind. Um, Heresy is the first blasphemy, one. Blasphemy, but that's not blasphemy. This is total 
He's talking total. You're all out. Uh, all right. I'm just total repudiation of the Christian faith. And I'm going to tell you, one of you has said the answer already. <laughs> I'm going to go with... We threw out three words. Uh, I know. <laughs> well, you, I said we just I threw could, out the multiple I, choice I was going to give you multiple choice, but you gave yourself multiple choice. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, apostasy. Final I, final answer? Final answer. Yeah. You, got it. you got it right there, Dan Vonderhaar. Apostasy. The uh, choices I was going to give you were going to be heresy, apostasy, and schism. We could have also used incredulity. So uh, this mm. all comes from paragraph 2089 in Part 3, Life in Christ, Section 2, the Ten Commandments in the Catechism. So in paragraph 2089, it's the little subsection on faith. I'm just going to read it. Incredulity is the neglect of the revealed truth or the willful refusal to assent to it. Heresy is the obstinate post-baptismal denial of some truth which must be believed with divine and Catholic faith, or it is likewise an obstinate doubt coming or doubt concerning the same. Apostasy is the total repudiation of the Christian faith. So that question, word for word from the catechism. And then finally, schism is the refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff or of communion with the members of the church subject to him. And I've always found it interesting, you know, you can't call someone a heretic if they're not baptized. It's post-baptismal. You can call them a pagan. You probably shouldn't in charity. You know? Exactly. Now, not to say that there aren't pagans in the world, but, you know, I probably, I, I don't advocate running around, hey, you, pagan, come here. That's probably not a solid <laughs> not plan a good of charity. Not, not a good evangelization <laughs> technique. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, St. Paul tells us, in all circumstances, give thanks. And we were actually just talking during the break about some of the infuriating things in life, like, come on, kids, help clean up your room, and then having to drag the other kids in and saying, all right, is your reward for helping clean up the room that you didn't have to clean up? It's not your responsibility. You get to keep any money you find on the floor uh, while you're cleaning the room. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes we are saying to our spouse, you sanctify me. Maybe we're saying that to friends. Maybe we're saying that to a coworker. Maybe we, you know, had that first cup of coffee in the morning and we spilled it down the front of our shirt and we don't have a spare shirt and we've got a meeting in 20 minutes and we don't have time to change and we look like a fool. And we're saying, I'm supposed to give thanks in this circumstance? Yes, you are. But how do you do it? How do you know? This is definitely one of those how you perform on your best day is going to determine how you perform on your worst day type thing. So how do we do it? So I usually first have a very, very large sigh. It's quite loud. (laughs) But it also just clears my head. In fact, we just had a conversation about this the other night with my my daughters and my husband and I. and, and, And Todd was saying to the girls, now when you hear mom sigh... It's not necessarily a bad thing. Just wait a minute (laughs) and then she'll talk. But it really is just a let's, okay, let's diffuse the situation with a couple of moments. Excuse me. And then, um, and then there's uh, just this time where I just, okay, well, this is a terrible time, a terrible moment, but I am thankful. I am thankful I got the opportunity to have these children. I'm thankful that I got the opportunity to teach them, to love them, to have them love me. There's just so many things I can be grateful for in that moment if I just set the bad things aside because I'm going to get through that, but I, I definitely don't wish these things gone. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I sort of, um, I had a, a pretty uh, difficult bout with cancer about eight years ago. And often 
when things get a little sideways, I just ask myself, is this really as bad as sitting in that recliner uh, with a feeding tube uh, after losing 50 pounds um, with a throat of hamburger? <laughs> you know, is this, is this as bad as that? And the answer always is, it's not even close, <laughs> right? No matter what it is, it's right. not even close. Um, so it, it's kind of a, I have a buddy who calls it going to the spiritual trophy case. So we all have moments in our life when we know God was present. We have taken mm-hmm. the time to reflect, and it's part of our witness, right, these moments. And he calls those moments a spiritual trophy case. And so when he gets into that circumstance where he really doesn't want to be grateful but needs to be, uh, he says, you know, I just go to my spiritual trophy case. And I think of all those times when, you know, Christ came through for me and that's the track record. Mm-hmm. Right? Why, would, the, why wouldn't he do that again? Exactly. Right? I can count on yeah. that. <clears throat> this is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think of suffering in particular, that whole idea of being grateful for the suffering, like praise God that he found us worthy enough to suffer, you know, cause he could spare us from the suffering. And I, and I, I do believe there are some people on this earth that he does for very uh, intentional reasons. Um, but that he would count me worthy to suffer sometimes. And then, as you said, the lessons learned from that. Although I have to say, Dan, you're the man of analogy, and I think I'm going to start referring them to as, uh, to them as Dan-alogies. <laughs> we got another Dan-alogy here today. Um, but I, I think about that often. You know, Beth and I were talking about this the other week, that we were having one of those weeks that just, I, I think I literally just finished the busiest six weeks of the past two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And it's been hard at times. And we're both resolved. We're not going anywhere. You know, we're, we're not, we love each other. We're married and we want to continue to be married and to continue loving each other, but it's hard. But we wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. The same thing, someone was like, oh, you got your hands full with those five kids. And I said, yeah, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It is incredibly difficult. Holiness is hard sometimes, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And so that's what helps me to look up in those moments and say, well, Lord, you know, Beth and I are really sanctifying each other today. Thank you. Thank you for making us holy. Or the kids are really trying me today. Thank you for putting them in my life. Or I stubbed my toe on the side of the bed trying to get up in the morning and I wasn't paying attention. Thank you for the fact that I have a toe to stub. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, if you don't get into that habit, then that's when I fall into the griping. Like, Lord, why did you have to give me this toe? Well, what do I want? Do I want him to take it away from me? No, no. So I don't know. That's, yeah. that's that. I, I, you know, um, I have a good priest friend who, you know, whenever he hits these walls, he just, you know, goes to scripture and he goes to Job and he says, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the Lord. And that's what writes him like mentally, mm-hmm. right? you, know, you know, going to that scripture. And I think, I think that's really valuable, you know, to remember, you know, what, um, Adam, I'm, I'm suddenly thinking about that one, uh, session you did on road rage that still sticks with me. Uh, when, uh, I don't remember who the comment was like, what is the Lord trying to teach me in this moment? Mm-hmm. You know that? And, oh, how many times have I thought about that now? That I've been driving, <laughs> right? What is the Lord trying to teach me in this moment? It, it's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think the more that you do it, the more that you get in that situation and you immediately go to Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. The more you do that, I think the faster you get through that painful moment or that painful time um, and, and you have more in your trophy. 
So that, that, that technique works in all parts of life, right? It is particularly helpful in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the business world that I live in, when I coach people, I, I tell them that's relentless solution mindset. So you just got hit with a problem. You just mm-hmm. got hit with something. Maybe maybe you just got a quota that you don't think you can achieve. Your first thought needs to be a solution thought. How quickly that you can move to a solution thought versus this is a problem thought mm-hmm. will determine how rapidly you can respond. And it's the same thing in the spiritual life. We have this, you know, relentless, you know, pursuit, this this mindset of solution, and the solution is through Christ. Right, that's the solution. So how quickly you move to that matters. And sometimes the solution is not going to be readily apparent. It might take a while. And it makes me think of when we lost Mary Joseph in the womb. Um, and, and living out, you, you brought up Job. I mean, that's exactly what it was for a long time. Lord, you give, you take away. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the Lord, even though I don't have any sense of this. And then one day when... Amelia came along. She's the the baby we had after we lost Mary Joseph. She was about two. She ran into the kitchen with her rag doll, and I'm cooking dinner, and she runs in, and she just goes, I just love you, and runs out, and I couldn't help but be overcome with joy, and that's when it finally clicked. Like, you know, I wouldn't have that joy of Amelia and Rebecca and Nora if it weren't for the fact that we lost Mary Joseph, and God worked through it, you know, and and. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to take a final break here on Roadmap to Heaven. After the break, we'll uh, get the weather for you, and we'll have the daily dose of encouragement, and then we'll be back to wrap up with you. But in the meantime, enjoy a little Matt Marr on this Friday morning. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. We have reached the end of the week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and I guess you could say it's been a week of lessons, so school's almost out on the Daily Dose of Encouragement for this week. But, Patty, these have been wonderful lessons on the Mass for our school-age children. How are we going to wrap up today? Well, I think we need to talk about Thanksgiving after communion. And this is a saying that once stuck with me, and I want to just share it with all our listeners, but particularly to school-age children. I heard this once. There's only one person who ever left Mass early during Jesus' life, and his name was Judas. The night of the Last Supper, Judas is the one who left early. That was the first Mass. He got up and he left early. We do not want to be Judas. We do not want to leave Mass early. So I want to encourage you to stay after Mass for a time of Thanksgiving. Now, why? Why do I want you to do this? To thank the host for the feast. We do this as a custom, as a social custom. When you've been invited to a party or a dinner party, you've been at someone's house for a meal, you thank the host for the meal. And we should want, after communion, to thank Jesus for inviting us to the wedding feast of the Lamb, to this banquet, to this feast. So I want to encourage you, you're old enough to do this, to thank our Lord for the Mass and also what I do after after Mass is over, I go straight to my knees and I, in my heart, I thank the Lord 
for the priest who just celebrated that mass. I thank the Lord for the priest who just brought me Jesus. And I ask our Lord to send more laborers into his vineyard, meaning for more holy priests. We need priests. That's a beautiful time to thank God for the mass, thank God for the priest, and to ask him to send us more holy priests. Maybe you want to pray for your own vocation. Lord, send us more holy priests. Help me to say yes to whatever you're calling me to and to say yes to it, whatever your call is in my life, and then remain faithful to it. So the time after communion is very, very important. I want to encourage you to have that time of thanksgiving and do not leave mass early. You're old enough to take ownership of this. If your parents want to leave early, say, no, let's just stay. Let's stay for just a little bit longer. I want to encourage everyone to have those prayers after communion. I've always found it interesting to note that in Greek, the root word for Eucharist means Thanksgiving. So as we conclude this week, I'm thankful for this topic, but it's a great reminder for us to take that time to say thank you. Patty, thank you for this reminder. A couple final thoughts for you this morning as we wrap up the fastest 60 minutes in all of Christendom. Um, I want to go back to what Fulton Sheen said that we said earlier, behave as you believe or in the end you will believe as you behave. And that is very true. Uh, With that, Father Donald Calloway on his social media this morning shared this great quote, when Jesus hung out with sinners, they changed. He didn't. And guess who that is? That's us. We're called to change. And so I want to leave you. I know Patty just gave us a simple prayer, but I want to give you one more um, simple prayer. It's one of the prayers to the Sacred Heart. I'm not even going to give you the whole thing. I'm just going to give you the first sentence. It's one you can pray every day throughout the day. Maybe when you're being sanctified or when you're sanctifying others. (laughs) uh, It's this. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto thine. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, Make my heart like unto thine. We are wrapping up the month of October, as I've said uh, many times this week, and it is the month devoted to the rosary. A great way to conform your heart to our Lord's is to meditate upon his life. And a great way to do that is to pray the daily rosary, whether you're praying the joyful mysteries, the luminous mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, the glorious mysteries, you're going to be spending time reflecting upon the life of our Lord. You're going to be walking hand in hand as Someone said recently, and I still can't get over this, praying the rosary is like holding the Blessed Mother's hand and going to her son. And uh, lately, you know, I used to clutch my rosary beads to the point that my fingertips would turn white from the blood flow getting cut off or whatever. And now it's just a very gentle hold on to those beads. And, and it because I wouldn't hold my wife's hand all the time as if I want to cut off circulation to her hand. It's always a very gentle touch when uh, we hold hands and so with the rosary that's kind of changed and it's been great it's been a phenomenal phenomenal thing let's wrap it up here in prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen all glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen jesus meek and humble of heart make my heart like unto thine Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to tell you what, but we've got some good stuff cooking for the show next week. We're going to be talking about John Paul II a bit next week, too. Uh, Great saint for us to talk about. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to make Sunday a day of Mass and a day of rest. 
Until next time, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Corey Grizzle. I'm Dan Vonderhaar. Pray your rosary today.